You're listening to the Chancellor Pink Podcast on Chancellor Pink Radio. I want to talk about music a little bit since for a portion of my life at least I have fashioned myself to be a songwriter and musician. I have existed in that realm and I'm a big music fan and supporter and listener but one thing in particular I wanted to talk about and just rant about or discuss with myself, to, with you listening, <laughs> is the concept of musicians who ruin their own legacy and their own music. And, you know, artists that become big for a little window of time, they tend to miss it. Right When they were very popular, when they were famous, they had this three or four album span where they were very popular and everyone was buying their records, or even if they weren't, they were definitely at their peak. And years later, they're acknowledged uh, during that period of time as being, you know, their albums are loved and so on. What you see happening too much now is because of the remastering and reissuing of uh, albums and songs and the streaming services and whatnot. These people are, I don't know if they're desperate for money or what I think it is, and this is why I wanted to make this podcast, it's more this sort of OCD perfectionism that comes upon an artist that sort of makes them destroy their own work. Can you imagine if Vincent Van Gogh hadn't killed himself and had lived to a ripe old age after his uh, paintings had become famous? How many of those paintings do you think he would have wanted removed from art galleries? And would he have torn up or, or repainted over or added to? I mean, you think about painting, it's final. When an artist puts a stroke with a brush to the canvas, each stroke, he can't erase it. And that's the thing about paintings and artists. When you go to a museum, you see the original. It's so striking and profound because, you know, that famous person who's now long since dead had a brush in their hand or whatever they were using and made that. And that is authentic and genuine. And you feel yourself come into that moment of the creation of this thing that a lot of times with famous artists, they become iconic. And you're seeing it and you are absorbed into that moment of its creation. And what that does is sort of wake you up again it reinvigorates you with the idea of genius of human beings i mean we live in a culture where we're all shooting each other and we're we're, we're fighting and it's so animals are better than humans and let's be vegans and spare the animals uh we really hate human beings right now we hate each other We are human beings, yet we hate ourselves, yet we love ourselves. Of course, we're perfect, but we we hate our own species. And so it's tough. It's tough to remember 
how beautiful we can be and how brilliant and how special and how we can rise above uh, the baser instincts of every animal and the thing that sets us apart from the animals that we eat and we should eat and continue to eat, yay, yay meat, is is the um, the fact that we can kill them, you know, and they can't kill us, that we can eat them and they can't eat us, you know. I mean, that's the difference. The ability to use your brain to outsmart them and to know what you want and get it. But that ability, instead of being used ruthlessly or to buy guns and shoot up people in grocery stores or grade schools, I mean, it, it more often than that is used to do wonderful things, you know, to build skyscrapers or even just beautiful churches or to, um, to create music or art, to, 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 to photograph something beautifully, to have a vision to write words that move people. Um, there is a part of human beings that is able to touch something that's eternal that we can, all of us can absorb and rise to a different level and be, um, be like I said, reinvigorated and uh, reignited. And, you know, we need that more than ever right now. We need that more than ever. We're so busy hating each other and hating our own species that I think we need to take a big step back and realize that in all of us is true beauty and genius. And so when we can go to a museum and see an original work of art, we are sucked into that genius. We are, we are that, that, that moment of expression that is in all of us, maybe not that great, just like the beautiful singing voice or a wonderful guitar solo, but we can't all do that. And so we admire, but an element of that is in all of us, at least a portion, a fragment of every work of genius, art and expression is in all of us. And that's why we relate. When you look at a, or listen to a song or look at a painting or watch a movie or read a book or read a poem, um, when things are sucking you in and elating you and making you high um, with a sense of appreciation and, and relating, it is because that is in you. You can't have that kind of reaction without at least a portion of that being in you as well. It's a connection. It's a synchronicity, you know. So um, that's a beautiful thing. And I think, unfortunately... What you have with these musicians, <clears throat> to bring it back to the original <laughs> purpose, which I know I can wander sometimes, but it's all good, right? Because we're following. It's a logical stream of thought and getting to a point. I never lose focus. I'm not like, I mean, I might drift away, but I know where I'm going, right? And you're following. You're listening, right? Good. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> these musicians... <clears throat> had these moments of genius and they connected through other people because they were in bands and there were engineers and producers and there was the equipment that was available and what they played and all of that stuff just sort of fell together in a moment either in one song or maybe one album or maybe one stretch of albums 
if you're lucky and you're the Beatles, it's just on and on and on. They just kept hitting it out of the park, you know. But most artists, it's not, it's not like that. It's a smaller window. But the thing is, when you get lucky enough to, to, to put that genie in the bottle and to have that magic, then um, don't fuck with that. You know, don't don't try to... I know that these artists then go on, they get older, they get probably strapped for money. Um, probably they just, they want to find a way to market themselves on that past history. Too often what they do is they go out on tours where they embarrass their image and their and their and their legacy by their lame performance now or 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 worse yet, a key member of the band, like the lead singer, is dead. And they go on anyway. And they say, he would have wanted us to go on. No, or they break up and yet they continue on. And um uh, a friend of mine and we're just and I were discussing. We saw uh, this big show that took place in California recently. Um, Who's the band? It was a um, Gene loves Jezebel, and um, there were two main guys in Gene loves Jezebel. I don't remember their names. They had like one song, Desire. Do you remember that song from the eighties? If you're old like me, you do. But. Um, they had a couple others, but basically they weren't a big band. But they, they, so, so they're from, I think they're from England, but they had a big feud, these two guys. They might even be brothers. I don't think so. I forget now. But, um, so they decided that they, they sued each other and they, they, they resolved the legal dispute with like when the one brother who's from America plays in England, he will be, uh, Joe Smith's Gene, Gene Loves Jezebel. Because Joe Smith's from America. So when he plays in England in the other guy's country, he's got to play as Joe Smith's Gene Loves Jezebel. Where when the other guy, let's call him Phil Joe, when Phil Joe plays in England where he lives, he can just play as Gene Loves Jezebel. But when Phil Joe goes to America, he's got to play as Phil Joe's Gene Loves Jezebel. So they literally have this agreement where when they're on their home turf, they can be Gene Loves Jezebel. But if they try to play a concert overseas, they have to put their name in front of it and, and clarify that it's their version of Gene Loves Jezebel and not the other guy who also plays with a band that he calls Gene Loves Jezebel. So, I mean, this is how bizarre it gets just because that's how they make their money, you know. If they had any real sense of integrity as artists, they would have just said, well, that was Gene Loves Jezebel. It's over now, you know? And I mean, look at Paul McCartney. Look at fucking Paul McCartney. He was the Beatles. Then he was Paul McCartney. He wanted a new band and he wanted to be in a band. He wanted to be Paul McCartney and Wings at first. He called the band Wings. He wanted to be Wings. Absorbed in another band. That was important to him. Yeah, yeah, he knew everyone would know that's Paul McCartney's band. They would know he's the leader. They would know that he's he's in Wings. He is Wings, basically. But he wanted it to be, no, 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 it's Joe English on drums and Denny Lane on guitar and it's my wife, Linda. She's in the band and we are a band, man. We are a fucking band. We're not just Paul McCartney and some people. We're a fucking band, you know? Well... They really weren't, but the point is that is integrity. Here's a guy that made a fortune 
He could have he could have been Paul McCartney's Beatles. <laughs> he could have sued the Beatles for that. He wanted to be something new, something different, because he knew he had it in him. He, he didn't need to milk the past. He wanted to evolve as an artist. And you see this in some musicians. They don't go back and rework and retinker. And as much as I have not been a fan of Paul McCartney's music since about the early 80s, I think the last album I really liked from him was, was um, oh, shit, I don't even remember the name. What was it? It had um, Here Today, the song about him and John, and it had other things on it that weren't great, but like I think he, he and Stevie Wonder, What's That You're Doing, was on that with Tug of War. I think it was Tug of War, yeah. That album, I think, was from 82. I like that. Um, but that's about the last one I like from Paul McCartney, but... He's continued on, and one thing I will say about him that is wonderful is he has continued to make new music, new albums. Same with Elvis Costello. These guys are not interested in whoring themselves on their past successes, you know, and, and tinkering with it and changing it. And this is the main issue I have with that. It's not... I get when guys that are washed up or old and they have nothing else to do, they want to tour and tour and tour and they can make money touring and they're playing on their, you know, they're playing the, let's get the band back together even though half the band's dead or half the band has already quit or has sued you and yet no one's going to come to see you if you're Joe Smith and Phil Smith or whatever. You've got to tour as, you know, um, Spandau Ballet. I mean, name a band. I mean, you've got to. They're they're not touring anymore, by the way. But if you if you need to be that band that you were in order to make a buck, okay, then you're gonna try to you're gonna play the hits from thirty years ago, and you're gonna go out and do that. I get it. I get it in the sense that we all gonna make a buck. But damn, when you look at the years of sticks, I there's there's a local sports guy here, Mark Madden. And he's into classic rock, and he goes to see all these dinosaur acts. He'll go to Vegas. He'll go anywhere. He'll go to California. He's talking about watching uh, Robert Plant do some show with someone else, and he says, I don't even like the music. It's acoustic, acoustic but it's Robert Plant. you got to see him anytime he's playing. Really? You've got to see Robert Plant? He's still alive. He's playing. See, I don't get that. To me... I don't want to see Paul McCartney anymore. I don't want to see Elvis Costello anymore. I don't want to, and I did like Elvis Costello's new album. I mean, it was all right. It was overrated. All, his, all these people, their albums are overrated. But like I said, I respect the fact that they're moving forward, creating new music. They're not living in the past. I like that. But is it as good? No. Is it? Do, does it? Do I? Do I feel like I'm ex as excited about a new Paul McCartney or Elvis Costello album the way I was 30 years ago? Absolutely not. No. No way now. No. I mean, because it's even 40 years ago or 35 years ago. It's, it's longer than 30. No, no. Those albums were in its... Like I said, when you're an artist, you get a period of time where things click. And you can't really recapture it. And there, there are some really good people who continue to make brilliant stuff years later, but... There was some film director, I think it was, yeah, it was Brian De Palma. And he had a theory, and he was being interviewed in an excellent, really, documentary on him that was um, directed and filmed and created by the by um, the squid and the whale, uh, Noah, Noah Bomba. 
he did the uh, Brian De Palma directory uh, documentary called De Palma. It's really good. If you, if you like movies and like film directors, even if you didn't love De Palma's work, which I kind of did, um, you should find this interesting. It's it's good to watch. He's a very interesting guy. And um, one of the theories Brian De Palma has, because he's still alive, so I'm, I'm assuming he still has this theory, it's that every uh, really good film director had a period at some point in their life, usually he believes in their middle age, like, 40s and 50s, somewhere in that range, 40s and 50s, where they make three films in a row, about three films, he, he believes, where they're just at the top of their game and it's their genius. And so, like, when you really love a film director, they they might have a real long body of work that was really good, but there's, like, that window of three movies in a row when they were usually in their 40s or 50s, somewhere in that range, where three in a row, they're just great, you know? And I looked into that, and I think he's kind of right. I mean, I think some of the really good ones, like Martin Scorsese, Scorsese, however you pronounce it, you can find ones peppered throughout a longer period of time. And he's managed to, to make some really great films in more recent years even, whether it's Silence or, for some, Shutter Island, for others, The Departed. For me, Silence. I love Silence more than those other two, but they're all good. Um, or you're talking about his his classics from the '70s, like Taxi Driver and you know, uh, 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 not Raging Bull because that was actually 1980 or '79. No, that was '80, I believe. But <clears throat> Mean Streets, or <clears throat> um, or you're talking about. Goodfellas in the 90s. So you can see there's a pattern here. Like Casino, I think, was 95. Not a fan of that one, really, big time. But Cape Fear, I loved. So, Scorsese spread them out, you know. Uh, but by and large, if you look, same with Hitchcock, he spread them out. But if you if you look, there is a, there is a window. And most people, as good as they are, they're never really super great the entire time. You can be a great film director, renowned, and if you look, there's a lot of hit and misses throughout the years, and there's really this one little window of when they were great, you know? And um, I believe that about artists in general. I believe that about musicians and albums, and I believe that about bands. And I think that you should leave well enough alone because not enough musicians respect their recordings as if they were paintings. Not enough musicians understand that the reason that song was a hit was because of the way it sounds. And that means on the shitty re recording equipment used back then, it means whatever instrument you played, it means whatever flaw you're hearing now as the genius OCD artist re-listening, we don't hear that, okay? We just hear that great song. And when you fuck with that, whether it's via remastering or remixing, or even some of these people, they just re-record it. They, 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 they don't make available online the classic version that was everyone loved. For some reason, some of these artists think, I don't like that anymore. It's not good anymore. I, we can make it better. And they remix and, they, and they, they stick out there. And Apple Music and all these terrible streaming sites. I love Apple Music, but they suck. A lot of times they suck in the sense that they 
you could download a song from an album on your computer, but when you try to play it on your phone, it reaches from the cloud and pulls down the shitty version that's being made available by the artist now. And it's not that classic version. And you listen, you're like, I don't know this song. And if you have a good ear for music and it's like an eye for art, you know this is a forgery. This is a forgery. And so you're listening to this song and it's on the album and you look and the art's the same and it's a different version of the song. And you're listening, you're like, what's going on? This is, is this live? Something's off. This is not the same. And you go and you look and it's, it's being pulled down from the cloud as that version that you have. And then you, you, you go and you look a little and you find and somehow it's been labeled differently. That original version is now mislabeled or otherwise labeled differently on the streaming service. And then you find that version, like, there's the version, there's the version. So you really have to, as a music listener today, it's like finding when it was on an album and it released in a given time, you could get the vinyl and you know that's what you're going to hear. But now it's just floating out there in the cyberspace or whatever, in the cloud, and they slap a little picture on. And all you get is that little tiny picture, that little square and that's it. That's telling you that's what that is. And it isn't. You play it and you're like, no, no, I had the album that had that picture that was released at X date. And it's not this song. This is a different version of that song. And so it's frustrating because shit, that matters, man. You don't fuck with the sound of a song. And what you find out is a lot of these differences that you're finding in the streaming services and how the songs aren't matching up, it's because these artists are re-releasing different updated versions of songs and they're trying to replace those older versions. That's the amazing part. You look into it a little, you find out it's not just Apple Music's evil or they're out of whack and they're not syncing the song that should be with an album. No, it's really literally that these people are releasing different versions and they don't like those old versions, the ones that were classic, the ones that came with that album that you heard that made that album what it is. And somehow years later they believe in their head that it should be better and they want to make it better and they don't want that version that was on the radio even, that was certainly on an album that people were buying, they don't want that version out there anymore. They don't want to give the rights to publication. They don't want it heard. They want this newer version they think is far superior. And it's ridiculous. It's kind of like, I'll give you an example. This is different to subject matter, sort of. Music, but different. My favorite van band of all time is the Smiths. The singer of that band, Morrissey, his favorite Smiths album of all time is Strange Ways, Here We Come, their last album. They only did four together. No, four proper albums. They had a couple very popular albums that are considered by any fan to be an actual album, but they're really compilations. Hat Full of Hollow, which was it came out after their... Uh, debut release, The Smiths, it's a compilation effectively of John Peel radio sessions and other recorded studio tracks. Um, but to many people, especially in England where they got it originally, we did get it here. I bought it in vinyl here, but in America, but um, 
it was considered a, a Smith's album. It was their second album, and it was, and in fact, it had the studio version of "How Soon Is Now" on it. And when uh, uh, "Meet Is Murder" came out, their next album, their second album in England, that does not have and did not have "How Soon Is Now" on it. But in America, because we didn't get till later, a little bit later, this half full of hollow compilation album, when Meaded's Murder was released here in America, How Soon Is Now was put on that album. And because that was breaking as as break and that was breaking the Smiths in America. How Soon Is Now is the song that broke the Smiths in America. And so so Meet Is Murder is the album that broke the Smiths in America. But, you know, funny enough, the big song on that album wasn't on the album in the UK and subsequent versions of that album, they try to homogenize it and they say, look, it was the UK album that was the real album. It's not supposed to have How Soon Is Now on it. Well, that's bullshit. No. And especially since that's such a great song and really, honestly, if you take that off uh, Meet His Murder, it really hurts the album. But anyway, the point is... (laughs) That's how crazy you, 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 you hear a song, you have an album, you have a favorite, this is what makes it here that wasn't even real. In, in UK, they didn't get that album. That was true for the Beatles too. You know, the American version of, of Revolver was the three John Lennon songs were deleted from it. And it was hugely, it made a huge difference. But it was uh, Andrew Perkins sing I'm Only Sleeping and uh, Dr. Robert were not on the American release of Revolver back in the day. But they were on the UK release. And, and the decision was made that they wanted the popular McCartney songs and they just didn't want those Lennon songs on. So they, they packaged Revolver for America. And so nowadays you will never find it's a classic album. It's the Beatles. They don't fuck with it. They're like, no, 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 the whole package, what they got in the UK, that's Revolver. So now you're never going to find Revolver. There are no versions of it that are released anywhere that don't have those three Lennon songs on it. But when I bought the album for the first time, which was somewhere in the early 80s, it didn't have those Lennon songs on it. And I had to record what I did as a crazy Beatles fan recorded the album onto a tape but found other found bought the other album that came with those Lennon songs see what they did in America we stole different tracks off of different Beatles albums and we made another album out of it to make more money we 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 crammed together songs from these other UK releases that we didn't put on America American albums and we caused we created a new album of those songs pieced together so you had to buy even as, as, as late as the 80s, you had to buy multiple albums to get to piece together the original UK album. So what I did on a tape is I recorded in the order they originally were intended to be released and the way they were released in UK, I put the Revolver together and I listened to it on tape because I wanted to hear the actual Beatles Revolver, the one that was great, the one that, you know, where they were, they were going, McCartney, Lennon, McCartney, Lennon, and then, and then Harrison. McCartney, Lennon, McCartney, Harrison, you know, they were, they were, they were alternating songs. That was the intent. The American version, it was like McCartney, McCartney, Lennon, because they took out three of uh, John's songs. 
So the point is they tinker with the art to make money. They tinker with the art because of marketing decisions. But, but when the artists themselves are the ones tinkering with the art, going back and re-recording songs, remixing songs, it's so sad. It's so sad because they should know better. I don't, don't be OCD and listen to something and say, oh, I should have done that. Oh, that was a bad production decision. Oh, I want to go back and remove that reverb. Oh, I, there's some distortion there. Let's get rid of that. Look, believe me, I'm sure it's all true, but we, we bought the album with that. We, we loved that. That's, that's how we heard it. That's the version that we know the difference. If you change that, we'll know it, and it, we won't like it as much. Don't do that to your music. It is a work of art. This is now iconic. It's, it's, it's timeless. It is who you are. And I don't care how much money you made. If you made a ton or you didn't make that much, when you release that, that's it. That's your art. Let it go. Move on. Be Paul McCartney and Elvis Costello. Move on. Don't go back and feel that you need to retinker, change, and really pollute the beauty that you created. Uh, I know you might want to. I know that you you realize everybody's listening to that now, and so you wish it was better. You you regret production choices made. You regret maybe whole songs. Um, but don't do that. Because as I was going to say about Morrissey and the Smiths, his favorite album is Strange Ways, Here We Come, their last one. And that's my least favorite. That is easily my least favorite Smiths album. And I loved Morrissey most of all from the Smiths back in the day. I mean, I loved them all. I loved the whole band and for various reasons. I thought they were brilliant. And Johnny Marr, of course, was hugely important to the whole sound. But Morris, he made the band for me because of his words, because of his voice, because of everything. He was the original, um, you know, amazing artistic reason the, the Smiths were brilliant. But I couldn't disagree with him more on his favorite Smiths album. I just think it's the last one I'd, I'd list. For me, it's The Smiths first, then Queen is Dead second, then uh, Meet is Murder, and then Strange Ways Here We Come. And actually, I would probably list Hatful of Hollow and uh, uh, Louder Than Bombs, another compilation album of theirs, both ahead of Strange Ways Here We Come. So I think of all of the albums, if you say those six albums, those two compilations and their four actual release studio albums, I think I'd put Strange Ways, Here We Come, last. So I think I'd put it sixth. Um, yet that is Morrissey's favorite album. And I've, I've recently read Johnny Marr loves it too because they were they produced it all themselves, see. And they were tinkering and working together in the studio, and they, they felt like they were really, uh, you know, at their peak of involvement in the recording process. But they can feel that all they want. But the reality is, they wrote their best songs early on. They wrote, they were all good, but their best songs were in the earlier stages. And they just, I don't care if it was 
John Peel recording them or I don't care who produced them. They, they, they missed the boat. It's like those recordings are iconic. Those songs are great. You were in a groove. You were in a mode and you were just going with it. And so later when you became more famous and you think you were being artsy-fartsy and tinkering, fine. And I'm glad that you went through that stage. But sad to report, the songs aren't as good. And the sound's not is not as original, you know. Um, and it's true for a lot of bands. Their first album when they go in the studio, they are just so keyed into the songs and playing them live that a lot of times the album is really just them playing those songs and there's not that much fart, farting around with different production things. And it stands up today as their greatest album because it was their best collection of songs played with the most conviction, the most heart, the most intent. They understood the songs. Every Everyone playing knew those songs very well and they were 100% behind them. So they're... The integrity of the songs comes through. You know, the art, the artistry comes through because the band was together supportive of and believing of the magic they were creating in those particular songs. And what you find later is that gets bastardized some and it's not as pure. But especially if they're coming back years later, to an album or recording and hearing something differently and wanting to bring a different spin to it? No. No. I mean, you can hear a flaw. It may even be real. But that moment had a chemistry and a meaning to it. And when you release that song and that album, let it go. It's gone from you. That is the art. You can't go back and repaint the Sistine Chapel, Leonardo. You can't go back and add a couple more stars to Starry Starry Night, Vincent. It is done. It, the paint has dried. It is hanging in the Louvre. It is finito, Mussolini. Not an artist, by the way. Mussolini was not an artist. Um, so that's all. I wanted to make a podcast warning all of you. Be careful streaming music on Apple Music or anywhere else. And if you hear something say, that's off. Is that really? Look into it because it's probably you're right. And that is, and, and you can find the original version that should be on that album that should be associated with that band somewhere and just replace it. Just, just, just throw out this crap version that they've re-recorded and they, or that's re-represented to be that song. Throw it out, dig around, do a little research. You'll find it on there somewhere, that original recording. It may be mislabeled on a different album or whatever. Download it or whatever you have to do, add it to your playlist, whatever, whatever, wherever you want that song to be, move it there. Move the version you find. Do a little research. Do a little work. Get that original sound. Find it and put it there and dump that new shit that they are trying to pass off as that song. Dump it. Forget it. It was a mistake. It's a bastardization. No. We say no. I don't care if it was the record company, uh, the you know, publishing rights fuck up, or the artists themselves believing this was a better version. They're all wrong. 
The only version of these songs that we want to hear are the ones that we bought on that album that existed at that time. We don't want new reworkings of this stuff. You can't do it. It's not fair. It's not music because music is art. The shit you're doing later, you need to say new version prefab by a band. You know, even if it's great, even if it's better, please allow us to decide if it's better or not. And make sure you don't hide it, sneak it, and put it in. And you're like, here's that song. No, that's not that song. You lied to me. You snuck in a new version, a changed version, and you put it in this album where it doesn't belong. Shame on you. No. No, you can't do that. We can see. It's like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That's not my wife. It's Stepford Wives. That's not my wife. That's a pod. They have no emotion. It's not the same. It's different. They don't wear their shoes the same. My husband ties his shoes left to right. This person here is tying them right to left. This is not my husband. Don't try to fool us with these reworkings. You ain't fooling anybody. They're not as good because they aren't the original. You are an artist. And when it's done, it's done forever. You can regret it. You can love it. It doesn't matter. We have digested it. It's like a Twitter post. You don't get to really delete it. You think you've deleted it. Guess what? Everyone else's timeline, if they were online, it's there and they're still seeing it. You deleted it, but their timeline, it's still there. So you don't really get to take it back. Once you hit send... Like that email. Oh, my God. I didn't want to include everyone. That was just a Joe. I put all on there. Ah, that work email that you missed send. <laughs> you can't take it back. You cannot change it. So don't. Don't ruin your music. Your music is art. Don't touch it. Once you put it out there, we have heard it and we know it and that is what it is, and you can't change it on us. And if you do and try to fool us, we will resent you, and you will drop down in our estimation and our esteem. So please do not soil your reputation. Do not sully your sound and your prestige by overworking, over-tweaking, or just distorting and destroying classic recordings of songs that even if it's five people, even if it's 20 people or 20 million, we've heard it. We know it. We love it. Don't fuck with it. Don't fuck with us. All right. All right. I love you. I love you. Yabba da boop bop.